You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, David Hall. Hello. Hello. Donnie Spiker. Good afternoon, fellas. Welcome. And Greg Hectus. I'm here, but not here. Well, on tonight's show, we talk more Coke Series driver and team announcements. Sim racing takes another big hit. And we got some serious rig reviews to go over. Take a load and join us off in the lounge. And remember, you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all the great topics and products we'll discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. Hope to see you there. week a number of teams announced their 2023 driver lineup prior to that justin melillo also posted some behind the scene photos of nascar productions being prepped for media day so let's talk about that yeah it was kind of fun to see uh all the drivers come together um and and of course there's a lot of activity on twitter and, and it, some of what i saw was people making fun of uh malik's uh, shoes uh, they're like rubber, I guess, you know, I don't, those rubber shoes, I would never be caught wearing those, but, um, and then Colin Bowden, uh, during the group photo, he decided to look straight down to the uh, ground, uh, while everybody else was looking at the camera. So he, he wanted to be that guy. Um, and then we also got to get our eyes on our, on rookie Jordy Lopez jr. And, uh, boy, you don't want to pick a fight with this guy. He's a big boy. <laughs> He has a real wide shoulders and uh, a big six pack. Caden uh, Honeycutt uh, wasn't available uh, for the photo shoot. Uh, he was at the Chili Bowl, actually. And that group photo is Malik, the one right in the middle. I'm going to have to blow it up to take a look here. I'm trying to look at the shoes. Are they tan colored? Yeah, they were like a tan rubber, I believe, in the middle. Yeah, he's, he's dead middle of the group, smiling big, and he's got a chain on. Yeah, I don't know what kind of shoes those are. They are kind of unique. They're not those and, rubber, uh, we, rubber Crocs that a lot of people like to wear. No, they're like a designer version of Crocs or something. Yeah, yeah somehow Crocs he, made a comeback. He defended himself on Twitter. I don't remember what he called it, though. Okay, called them Yeezy Slides, I guess that's what they are. Now, I was taken aback by the hardware presented to Casey Kerwin. He took a photo of his championship ring his nascar championship ring uh, it's got his you know it's your, your typical nascar championship ring you know like jeff gordon has and people like that jimmy johnson you know and it's big it's bold it's got that big i racing logo on the top of it on the front you know instead of the, the diamond or whatever i mean i love it i mean what a prize this is yeah, the ring's pretty cool, especially with the logo. I'd like to have seen maybe a little color uh, with the red, white, and blue of the iRacing logo, maybe. 
maybe it would have taken away from the ring a little bit, but no, the ring's pretty cool. Okay, on to team announcements. Um, as you, as usually happens uh, before the season, is they have the draft. Um, so it's not really a draft anymore. It's just like teams can make uh, agreements with drivers. It's kind of an open market. Um, and so that's what's happening. And so uh, we'll continue to go through these. So Charlotte Phoenix team, they've announced uh, Graham Bolin and Femi Olat. Continuing Elliot the announcements. Sadler. Yeah, we have yeah, Elliot Sadler Esports. Um, and he's picked up Cody Bias and uh, Derek Bordeaux. Changes in that team. Uh, Garrett Maines is gone. He's still in the series, though, right? Yep. He's moved to a different team. All right, Donna, who did front row pick up? This one was uh, unusual. I did not know front row was going to have a team, uh, but they've got a couple new drivers. Hold on one second. I'm trying to play it. We don't have it written down. Uh, they got Alan Bowes, and he'll drive the 34 car. And Michael Cozy, he'll drive the 38 car. Yeah, Michael, a rookie uh, this year. Uh, speaking of new teams, Pioneers GG is a new team that have entered the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series with Derek Justice and Wyatt Tinsley, another rookie. Is Team Dylan new? They're they're announcing. No. Okay. They've been around. Who who did they sign? Because you can't really tell on the tweet. They got Jordy Lopez and Tucker Mentor. All right. And then we have Stuart Haas as well. They've got Wilson and Duvall. That's an existing lineup, uh, one of the few that uh, stays the same. But that's a powerhouse. And I actually replied to them on their Twitter and said, I think this these guys are the team to beat. And uh, Kevin Thanks. King is uh, joining Mike Gonti at Junior Motorsports. He's got a nice picture of him hanging out with Dale Jr. Yeah, this is a neat story. Kevin King is, I, like I said before, I think the oldest driver in the series. Um, he's not a rookie. He's been in the series before, long, long ago. But uh, back in the day, uh, he used to be part of the what you call the Dirty Mo Posse uh, league. Um, when Dale Jr. was back on uh, NASCAR racing 2003, and and uh, meeting buddies and getting people jobs and that kind of thing. So Kevin King was one of those guys. And so now it's all come first full circle and, and he's driving for junior motorsports and the Coke series. Uh, so kind of neat to see these guys hook up again. That actually is a pretty old picture, isn't it? Yeah. It looks actually decently old. I mean, junior looks like he's 19 years old in that picture or something. Well, the, the tweet uh, from Junior said they've been pals for 20 years, so that takes to the early 2000s, and they're in a motorhome, so I'm assuming it's Junior's motorhome at maybe one of the races, but yeah, this is at least, I would say, 15 years old. Next, uh, Matt Busa joins uh, William Byron Esports to partner up with um, the existing champ, Ottinger, Nick Ottinger. Other news, Mike Conti announces this is his final season of Coke racing. He's going to step down after 2023. Um, boy, it seems like these uh, drivers leaving, um, you know, on their own terms out of the series, it seems like this is a thing now. I mean, we talk about it every time one comes up, but it has to be exhausting to do what they do. I'd love 
you know, to be in the Coke series. Granted, I'm not that fast, but they spend a lot of hours um, working on their sets, practice laps every week. And it's, it's gotta be a, a hard to commit to um, 18 races throughout the year, uh, that much time devoted to each race. So I get it. He's been racing for a while and he's been one of the series uh, front runners for a long time. So it is what it is. They're going to eventually want to do something else. If you have to spend so much more of your time practicing and testing than racing, that has to lead to burnout. I mean, even in the real life when they had to test a lot, that would lead to burnout. What leads to burnout with some of the real life racers now is all the fan stuff they have to do, all the, all the, well, not, you know, all of the appearances and, and et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely the time that they're having to put in. It's taking its toll. It's interesting with the Kevin King, because if he's coming back to it, uh, does he put all that time into it and he's older in life? So what kind of free time does he have to be, you know, making, making himself good for the Coke series? Well, I think we've always been a bit critical of the uh, feeder series into this series, the contender, you know, whatever you want to call it, the truck and the Xfinity, but that's a grind throughout the year, you know, to get through the truck series you know, to get into the next round to the Xfinity and then, and then they drop the, you know, the Coke guys in there to race with you in the Xfinity and you got to beat them too. It, it's a grind. I think it sets you up for it. So you know what you're getting in for, but yeah. All right. I've been looking forward to us getting to dump onto this dumpster fire from this weekend. So we heard, we were talking about it all weekend, just how crappy the, uh, Le Mans 24 virtual hours went. It's kind of funny that they're running it in the middle of January to begin with. Um, but it apparently did not go very well. That's to say the least. You know, before this all came out, I saw a tweet from somebody about the event going on. So I was like, oh, cool. I'm going to go check it out. So I went and checked it out uh, before anything was happening. And I was like, man, this doesn't look right. Like the cars were very jumpy. The graphics didn't look the best. And I, and I just immediately turned it off. I thought there's no way that this is, you know, supposedly, you know, in their, in their mind, the best sim on the, on the, on the, on the market, but it's just, the cars didn't look good racing around the track. And I guess it eventually led to what it led to. Now let's call this what it is too. Uh, I want to clarify. It's not an open race. Like this weekend's Daytona 24. Anybody can sign up for if you're in the service, this is a, 180 people only they had to pay an entry fee there is prize money though but uh, the entry fee is nothing to i think it was 2000 euro or something like that but it's this not you know it's not like an open event so i, I want to clarify that people try to compare it to the iRacing events and i think it's different it's kind of even worse considering you had to pay to get into it and it was exclusive only 180 people and they still couldn't run it. Whereas the 24 is going to have over 2000 registered. Yeah. And so what happened is apparently uh, what the organizers say is they got DDoSed uh, attacked because Jimmy Broadbent put the IP information of the servers on his stream and it became public. And, um, so a lot of people on Twitter kind of dispute that. They, they think that the red flags, as they called them, and there were two of them, and, that, and I think one was an hour and the other was an hour and a half, uh, were just from other problems with the server. Uh, multiple disconnections, game freezes, 
different timing issues. Um, like a group of, would be, of cars would fall out, and then the organizers would arbitrarily, when they came back in, give them back two laps or whatever they missed. But then when another group fell out and it wasn't a lot of cars, they wouldn't give their lap back. So there was a lot of the nonsense going on. And uh, none other than uh, champion Max Verstappen uh, has called him out for it uh, in, in extreme words. What do you guys think of what Max said? You know, he's just being very honest. I mean, obviously, $2,000 for his team's probably not a whole lot because, you know, his status in life. But but uh, he was very honest in what he said. He didn't hold anything back. And I'm even reading, like, criticism he's taking um, on his stance on it, calling him, uh, you know, crying over a game and whatnot. But he's clearly somebody who takes what he does extremely seriously. And, um, yeah, you, cannot, you can't fault the guy for, for being honest. You start crying over a game when you have a $2,000 entry fee. Especially that's, if that's you're absurd. in six months. I mean, he even said six months and two months for this race specifically to prepare for. And I believe him. I believe he's, I mean, you see the room he's in. We'll have it down here at the bottom. But he's in a, looks like an isolated room. And I read articles where he doesn't allow anybody in it when he's on the rig, um, including his his family. Um so he, something he takes serious and you have to appreciate it, especially something, you know, he's probably one of the top one, two, three drivers on planet earth. So for him to take this much care into sim racing, uh, makes me feel happy. Oh, there were little glitches that happened to Max too, while he was driving, like this car would just spin out, you know, as he was shifting. Um, and, and, and it was certainly shouldn't have, but at, at some point, they parked the car. They decided, you know what, we're gonna, we're not gonna race under these circumstances. Now they weren't the only one. Uh, George Simmons on Twitter, he did a full thread of um, ret- quote retreats of all the different teams that the high end teams that decided to park it because of the circus that was going on, and so many of the teams did just that. They decided not to finish, and so. You know, the results of this race and the, the prestige of it are, are certainly suspect at this point because, you know, when you, when you have the top teams not even trying to finish, you know, you got a mess. And another thing, um, so I guess Roman Grosjean's team won. He didn't win. He was in a different car, maybe a different class, but one of his cars won, and he posted a video and was super excited about it. And I'm thinking... It takes me back to Grassgate for our our series that we uh, that we ran back in the summer. That a lot of the top teams quit; they didn't want to be a part of it. Same thing with this, and then take so much credit for winning this race, where a lot of the teams just bailed, and you had so much issues. I kind of thought that was strange, maybe a little out of touch. Okay, so for the new people, for weeks we we've been talking about motorsports games. They're the one who took the Indy license, where we can't have the, our Indy 500 anymore. They took our 24-hour Le Mans and turned it into this dumpster fire. Um, they own the whole thing. They own the broadcast. They own the series. They own the license. They own R Factor, the actual uh, platform that is, is choking. Um, I, there's so much, you know, it, it just like pile on, pile on. It's like we kept talking about, well, how fast is this company going to go down? Well, this certainly helps it. You know, it's just another way they lose money. I mean, they probably paid a decent amount of money to get the WEC, you know, Lamont's name and the exclusivity and, 
And what money are they making from it other than producing crappy video games? And this just shows what happens every time a sport signs an exclusive agreement is the software that starts coming out turns to shit. And especially, I mean, it's what happened 20 years ago with 2003 when, uh, and it's, it's going to just happen every time. Um, I mean, what can we do about it? It's, it's it, it, the businesses are free to sign whatever exclusivities we want. They want, but they really, really, I wish they would see this lesson and learn from it. Of course, there was a forum thread about the topic in the iRacing forums um, talking about, you know, Max and how strongly he uh, came out against uh, Lamar. And he, he basically said he's going to uninstall our factor. I thought that was great. And it's funny, throughout the week, Overtake uh, GG, they tweeted uh, something in relation uh, to this. And then I, I responded uh, something stupid. I just said, hey, I thought you guys said last week iRacing's days were numbered or whatever. It actually got a lot of interaction on it. But um, even they responded back uh, to me with humility, with uh, that Homer Simpson disappearing into the bushes uh, meme to my response. But, yeah, I think they saw what happened this weekend, too. So. All right, I'm going to read the Max quote real quick. I'm going to write this once. It might get deleted, but who cares? After five months of prep to fight for a title, around two months of prep for Lamas, this is what we get. This was a disgrace for the sim racing community and all big brands and drivers involved. Big stutters all race. Two red flags due to attacks, you say. But then, then again, people disconnecting. Some getting their laps back and some don't. Because of the stupid four-car rule, how can you even rely on rules when you can't even control your own shit server? This is not the first time we do this. I've literally been disconnected three out of four events. You might think after the first or second time you learn, but this is just a disaster. The Lamaze organization should really look at what they want moving forward because doing it on this platform is just a clown show. I'm never competing again, and that's all down to your incompetence. I hope many people will follow my lead and we can build something nice somewhere else because all of us teams, brands, and drivers deserve it. Yeah, we know Max likes iRacing, so he's always on the truck series running around Talladega. So I don't know. Maybe he influences its way back this way. I got to say, very well said, Max. I mean, I think he speaks great for the sim racing community as a leader in this community, and certainly he is. And um, kudos to what he just said. Um, I, I'm glad he's not going to participate in, in that farce anymore. And I hope all those other drivers don't either. And, and then what are they going to do if they don't have any drivers to run it? Then what? Well, I think this the title that's strewn across this YouTube video, Mike, sums it up. Is it was, it's basically embarrassing for them. And I, I hope they can't wipe the egg off their face. This is one of dozens of YouTube videos out there about this topic. I mean, all the sim racing channels are are, are taking it up and talking about it, and, and other people in racing, too. You know, Formula One uh, media is talking about it a little bit. Um, you know, the tech journals that follow technology and stuff, they, they, they picked it up. Well, hopefully lessons are learned. Let's, I think we can move on, though, all right? And so go ahead and start talking about some some positive things. Donnie, we've got some roar stats from the 24 
before or the roar before the 24. Yeah. So David, you mentioned earlier, um, the virtual Amans had what 200 entries, 180 and they couldn't handle it. So our roar event, uh, that took, takes place before our 24 hour event. That's going to be the biggest of the year had 96, uh, splits, uh, 4,500 drivers, about 4,660, uh, that ran 256,000 laps in this year's roar. So I don't have an issue. Worked out well. well. I got ran over from behind, but yeah. Did you have any server issues? Nope, nothing like that. Everything was rock solid. I mean, that's 200 to 4,660. That's quite the difference. Yeah, well, I think iRacing's just got more experience dealing with these gigantic events. And they're, they're, they're way ahead of the game. Because I do remember the troubles four or five years ago. And they've they continue to beat at those and beat at those and openly communicate with what went wrong and work to improve it each time. So now we know, particularly for this event, that it may take a long time for the server to spin up, but you don't have to feel panicked because your warm up time will not actually officially start until the server spins up. Thirty minute warm up, yeah. Well, and even that that will not kick in. Yeah, and I noticed that, and I was going to bring it up later when we talk about the 24-hour, but um, 2021 was the last time they had an issue. I think it was a three-hour delay at the beginning of the race, server issues. I was trying to research and find which event it was, but like you were just mentioning, David, they they just came out and said what the heck the problem was, and they took all the blame, all the responsibility, and uh, they pushed forward. The event started, and once it started, it was good to go. All right, well, we've been following this guy a little bit, Mike. Uh, more information about jumping from iRacing to Skip Barber. Uh, Elvis Rankin actually won the Skip Barber Championship. Uh, he finished second and third recently at the Coda, um, capturing the championship. He's looking now to compete in the British Formula 4 Championship in 2023. And so um, iRacing put up a video about it. Um, He's kind of celebrating uh, his accomplishment. And then there was also a video from Apex Racing Team where he talks about how iRacing has helped him uh, achieve it by having some familiarity with the tracks uh, ahead of time. You know, before he arrives at a track for the first time, he's already done hundreds of virtual laps. And so he, he kind of knows what he's getting into and, and feels like that's an advantage. You know, he talks about that in his iRacing video that they put out, and he's one of, I don't want to say the first, because there's other guys that have gone from sim to, to real life in different aspects, but, like, you truly believe what he said when he spent hundreds of laps around certain tracks they went to, and he felt like he already knew it once he got in the car. He knew where his braking zones were. He knew where he had to turn in. Um, it was just fantastic to hear, give a little bit of credibility to the service. Yeah, pretty neat. I still remember when I got to drive that late model at Memphis, and and at, other than struggling to get the thing out of the pits because the the clutch just was so weird, I could I couldn't get it. I had to get a push start basically. But once I got on the track, I almost it was just like being in the sim, and I felt like the the cone placements they had were a little too too conservative because I actually felt like I could get on the gas earlier than they had the cone. But yeah, yeah you do it you do it enough times and it it builds that muscle memory and about the only thing that you don't have is the actual feeling of g-force all right um this next one 
Donnie, it actually looks like MSG might have an Edward Snowden situation. Man, MSG is just taking a beating uh, the last few weeks, even longer, a couple months. But they've got a rogue employee. Uh, so yet another potential blow to motorsports games. According to Insider Gaming, an employee is threatening to release source code from four different motorsport game games over not being paid. So this probably relates to the article we talked about last week about them threatening the lawsuit. Now we got some guy out there wanting to release all their uh, source codes for the video game. And hey, maybe he does. Maybe somebody improves it, makes it better on the, the black market. And his deadline is actually was... Uh, last Friday, I think um, he said, "If you don't pay us by then, I'm releasing the code." And and uh, yeah, these are the Russian developers that weren't getting paid that we talked about, and uh, they're playing hardball now. I'd be afraid, threaten anybody over there. <laughs> I'll try to find something this week and see if we can't find a follow up on it. But um, but yeah, pretty crazy. I'd like to, I don't know if we've ever seen anybody throughout the time I've been playing video games uh, do something like this. So this would be very interesting. Now, if the thing is, is so the let's talk about it a second. So the code gets released in the public, but then what can people what would what would happen to it? Like, if you're a legitimate, you know, video game company, it wouldn't be appropriate for you to scoop up the code and use it, right? It, I don't know. They would still own the copyright on it. So in the Star Wars landscape, um, there was a group that redid Knights of the Old Republic. It's a role-playing game on the computer that apparently everybody freaking loved and thought it was awesome. And Lucasfilm kind of stayed hands off it and said, hey, have your fun with it. And then, then others talks to them actually redoing it for real on the LucasArts side of it. So I don't know. I've seen it done before in the past, but uh, they weren't able to really make money off it, though. All right. Well, we always love talking about Dave Cam videos, and he's put out one about that, that, that is uh, things you need to know. And it's it's a good back to the basics and um, in introductions. So those of us who've been racing a long time, it might be a good refresher. Or if you're just coming in, this is definitely a beneficial video to watch as well. Yeah, it goes over breaks, going in your break software and setting points up, dead zones and, and stuff. I had no idea at the beginning. So like you said, and uh, Mike, you could probably elaborate more, but it's nice to watch these videos. It's nice to watch um, back to basic type videos. And once you develop in your mind for so long, and then you just relearn some things. We're not hearing you, Mike. Oh, I'm sorry. I was pushing the wrong button. I was saying um, it's, it's really neat how, you, like you said, it goes back to the basics. Um, when you're new to sim racing, you don't know what you don't know. Um, he, he's like, okay, so you got to open up your driver software for your wheel or your pedals and, and calibrate it in, in your, on your computer, then go into sim, the sim and calibrate it there as well. And, and really spells it out step by step. And for somebody new, uh, this would have been gold for you, right? Donnie, like the first day when you were trying to, oh man, what do I do? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was actually overwhelming because I, coming into this, I knew absolutely zero about computers and anything of that nature. Um, so it was very intimidating coming in. But I watched, um, there was a, a fella, I haven't seen any videos of him in a long time, actually, but David Samsoid. Uh, I watched a few of his videos in the beginning and Dave Cam here. But uh, but yeah, after you get going on it, like I mentioned, you kind of get this feeling of, ah, I could figure it out. But then watching these videos, it kind of just gives you a nice little... You know, something nice to look back to. Maybe even rethink doing yourself. 
All right. It's been a while since you talked about this, but it's finally out. I have not had a chance to watch it yet, but it has landed on Amazon Prime. Um, if it's on Amazon Prime, you shouldn't have to rent it. So, but it, I guess it's available regularly for three ninety nine. I'll, I'll check while you guys chat about it to see if I actually have to pay or not because I do have Amazon Prime. But the Sim Racer movie is out. Yeah, it's through Prime, but you do have to rent it. Once you start watching it, you got 30 days, I believe they said, to watch it. Uh, there's a ton of stuff you can rent and buy on, on Prime still. But um, all hmm, three, I mean, this goes back to what we paid dollars for a track. Will I pay $4 to watch this movie? I'm not 100% sure. I was reading some of the reviews through Twitter on some of the sim racing uh, community, and it was what it was. So we'll see. How about you, Mike? The review, I mean, you're, you're nice. I mean, the, the reviews I read were pretty bad. I mean, the people in the Facebook group were like, yeah, that was a waste. How on earth? Never. How do you mess this up is the question, you know? I bet it was a, in a serious tone. The, the movie is in a serious tone, and that's the problem. Yeah. I'm just trying to, and I, I, I got to watch it first before I actually criticize the movie itself, but how do you make a movie about this? I just, I, in my mind, I'm trying to think of all the different plots you can have, and I don't know. You have to throw in a bunch of non-racing stuff related to make it kind of dramatic. Um, and it, it, what it's really missing is Nicole Kidman. Let me have the cock hole. All right, well, this next one, we have a little tip from uh, listener and team ally, basically, Cody Richardson. He says that the restart zone may have been suspended on the, in official racing without any announcement. There was, um, He says he thinks that they turned it off for officials in the last update because something is broken that was causing a bunch of false black flags. Yeah, this kind of, if this is the case, this kind of goes back to something we talked about a few weeks ago about, actually, I don't think we ever talked about it on the show, but... Um, it's the whole thing, quality over uh, quantity. Um, they want to get all the stuff out there, but are they releasing this stuff without perfecting it first? And, and which way do we want it? Do we want the product to be perfect when we first get it? Or do we want all the cool stuff and shiny stuff every four months, three months? Well, I worked in software development a little bit back in the day. And I think when they do their QA, it's only a few people testing because that's, you know, it, it, it but then when they release it to the public, hundreds and thousands of, you know, of different events and uh, whatnot are, are, are going off testing it. And you find more stuff when, when it's out public like that. And I think that's what, what it boils down to is they're just not finding it, even though they think it's buttoned up. Later in reality, they say, oh, maybe it's not. And that's, a, that's actually a good point, Mike, because you won't know until you get it re over re uh, repetitive over and over and over again. And maybe that's a good thing for iRacing that they release it the way they do and gives us a chance to in-service test it, as long as it's not going to affect us too much. And uh, that's how we can help make the, the service grow as well. As, you know, We're going to find the issues and hopefully fix them. So at the beginning of Winter League this week, uh, somebody was warning us at the beginning of the race or the admins, hey, uh, you should have the restart zone off because in other leagues we had to clear black flags because of problems with it. Um, so, yeah, that kind of coincides with what Cody's telling us here. Nim probably got frustrated with all the emails too, and then he had to go across the hall and tell him to shut it down. Well, I guess we're already up into the events and – uh, I don't know about you guys, but I think we're ready. I know that the uh, LMP team, all of us have run at least one IMSA race. 
and we've we've got the set. We've got a paint from Bobby, and we're ready to go. Got the schedule set and everything. But if, in case you haven't heard, we are running the Big Day to- Tona Twenty Four this week, um, and it's the usual start times. It's the usual IMSA cars. The balance of power is in effect. It's a thirty-minute warm-up. They are requiring everybody to use the beta UI, and I'm still going to call it that. They're requiring everybody to use the beta UI to, to join the servers, and they said that when when um, once your server has been successfully spun up, your warm your then your warm-up timer will start. Uh, last year's event took eight minutes for the scheduler to complete the event sorting. It says if it goes over 15 minutes, watch social media for updates. So yeah, our, our side's pretty good. The GT side's uh, pretty squared away. We just tweaked our schedule the other day um, just to allow for more stint time. But I do have a question. Um, and I think Tony answered this for me the other day in our team chat. But um, I went to do a practice for the 24. And when I w- clicked register, it brought up a box wanting me to register a team. So I didn't. So I went into the IMSA, IMSA practice field and ran laps through there. What is that asking me to do when I just want to simply practice? Okay, if you're if you're going into the 24-hour practice servers instead of the IMSA servers, it's set up for teams. So when you register there, you have to register your team and your driver. Okay, yeah, I didn't want to move forward and mess it up. Yeah, no. As far as just um, for practicing, you can just register yourself on your generic team instead of instead of the team that y'all created for everybody. Everybody has their like team Donnie Spiker or what, or whatever. You can just register there and just register your driver. It'll pop up a warning that says you'll you'll get disqualified if you don't have more than two drivers, but that doesn't matter because you're just practicing. All right. Once. It's race day, though. Whoever's signing the team up has to register the the drivers that are going to race. Because if one of those drivers doesn't show, you don't get you don't get scored. All right, perfect. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Well, that covers that event. Also, even though we're just now just kind of barely into season one, they are already starting the schedule requests for season two. We have several links to the different schedules. Those are all community built. So there's kind of somebody who just puts together a proposal based on community feedback. So if you want to be involved in that, now's the time. We have some of the links on the show notes. There's one series in particular that might be going away from the community, and that's uh, one of the ND car series and that's one of the links as well you can read through that greg west chimes in as well there's some things they got to iron out for the next couple seasons and i think they're going to keep it uh i racing is going to select the schedules going forward um for the time being at least for some of the uh, the indycar series or the north american u.s open wheel b series whatever they're going to call it open wheel someplace in america all right, and Mike, what's this next thing about WWS Sprint Cars? Is that just another? It be World of Outlaw Sprint Cars. And uh, Alex Bergeron gets his second win and takes over the championship lead after dominating the 35-lap feature at Knoxville Raceway. Um, yeah. It's good to see. I didn't Evan's, get to see the race, though. Yeah, it's good to see Evan see or save place second. We saw his T-Bone TC uh, from what? two, three weeks ago on that little dirt, dirt, uh, go-kart track he was on. So he's doing okay. He's finishing second in the world of outlaws race. So, and Timothy F Smith third, I mean, and he, he's right there in the points. I mean, he, Alex and, uh, Bergeron and Timothy F Smith are 
are just a few points from each other. So it's going to really shape up to be a battle. Yeah, they're literally two points apart, and then there's quite a bit of a jump to third place, where Tyler Shell's almost uh, 50 points behind. podcast housekeeping leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find us mention the podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out we do appreciate it check out our discord we got guys over there like abe and cody dropping knowledge nuggets uh man you guys are missing out uh and then don't forget the website iracerslounge.com we are in regular uh, rotation at Performance Motorsports Network and iRock TV on Roku. Metro Ford of Chicago delivers to you. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, we have over 160 vehicles in stock. Living large or strapped for cash, good credit, no credit, doesn't matter. It's all good at Metro Ford of Chicago. We offer easy financing and guaranteed credit approval. Visit eMetroFord.com to view our complete inventory and tell them Patrick sent you. Metro Ford of Chicago, serving Chicagoland and beyond for over 35 years. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. All right. The hardware section, as you know, is sponsored by Metro Ford. And we're going to start off with the question, how old is your throttle? And this is a post from Neil Huskenveld of a video with that's all on the Sims throttle models. He claims iRacing is still using a model that is over 25 years old. Yeah, so he, I mean, I feel like I watched this video forever ago, but I think I put this one in here Friday, last Friday. But yeah, he just goes over all the, the different manufacturers and all the different throttles and all the different sims. And I mean, not just specifically iRacing. He just, you know, mentioned iRacing is 25 years old in their throttle model, but a lot of the sims are still using older throttle models as well. And as a layman, you know, we have our potentiometers, but I don't understand. Like, he was showing graphs. The video is great. So if it's something you guys want to dive into and stare at a bunch of graphs and have somebody explain it to you, it's a great video. But um, what could be better than what we have now? Well, it is a difficult video to understand what he's talking about. Um, I, I analyzed it and maybe watched it over a couple times trying to figure out what he was talking about. But my understanding in layman terms is when you look at an actual car's throttle torque graph whatever you know goes from zero to a hundred it doesn't match the 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 model that iRacing and many other sims are using from long ago um the torque level should be uh, more in the 75 percent throttle to 100 percent throttle like that's where the torque should be but in reality the old model puts a torque somewhere down starting at like 40 percent throttle up through 75 percent and so he's just basically saying you know we're, we're always so focused on sim and simulation and laser scanning and all this other stuff but man these are low-hanging fruit why don't we update these curves and why don't we match them to the actual car like like when they go scan the car let's do a throttle and brake uh analysis on the car as well and then put in the appropriate 
you know, torque curve. All right, David, did, I'm going to ask you a question real quick, but did that make, did you understand what he was saying? Yeah, and it was something you can do if you have software that allows you to put the curves in yourself. That's exactly what I was going to ask you. So can't we already do that with our visor app? We can, yeah. Because um, I I have a different curve for my stock car where it I have it, I have the best way to describe it is it's it it starts slow and then speeds up really fast at the end, so that that helps make it easier for me to roll into the throttle and less likely to spin the car out, give it a little more throttle control. Whereas I kind of do the opposite when I'm in in uh, a dirt car, I actually have it shoot the throttle up really fast and then be more sensitive towards the top of the end because that way it's easy for me to have enough throttle just to make the car actually steerable but only i have to really push the throttle in when i when i want the full throttle but it makes it easier to to give it just a little throttle because you have to have that in a dirt car just to get the dirt car to turn at all yeah and i I honestly thought it was gonna be super intimidating when i first um got into it but actually it just takes a few laps around the track to figure out what you need to tweak and, and you're good to go as long as you you know keep good notes maybe so you're telling me you can adjust for this at the pedal level um at the hardware level or the software part of the hardware and that's cool and i'm sure like the new you know semi-cube active pedals you can adjust those infinitely too and like david says you'll have a different curve for a different type of cars but i think that's what niels heikensveld is trying to communicate is these different torque curves for the different cars like a dirt car versus an oval car should be properly built in to the game so so the average user like me who doesn't fool with my curves uh doesn't need to fool with it i hop in the dirt car and and the pedal goes hot you know as soon as i uh, as i push it down right away like david said yeah i don't disagree yeah it's not a terrible idea so maybe that's something they can about throw on the wish list I was thinking about uh, posting this video in the forums and tagging uh, David Tucker, who uh, is kind of in charge of uh, controls at iRacing controllers. Yeah, I'm hoping they see videos like this and they, they pay attention. But, I mean, I would like to know how big iRacing staff is to really know what they can tackle. Uh, they provide a great uh, product now, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how many guys they have lying around that could. You think it should be easy, though, after listening to that guy talk about it. Well, and, and and he he also indicated that there's a a common curve that would be better than the one they're using right, is the way I took it too. Like they, you don't have to do them by car. I mean, if they just update the model to a more co- uh, a more current model for throttling, that would work wonders. Well, iRacing even has brake shaping. You can change. There's a built-in option where you can affect the brake shaping for for to adjust for different types of pedals that you have. All right, let's jump to the next one. We have an Amazon H pattern shifter, and this one looks basically directly available on Amazon. Um, It's for 80 bucks, which is not a terrible price. It's actually pretty cheap. Yeah, I've um, actually read a lot of the reviews for a while on this as, you know, always thinking of backups if this Fanatec ever breaks down on me. Um, Would I get this? in the meantime before something else. And I probably would cause it's prime. I mean, heck you can just send it back if you don't like it. Um, they also have a sequential that is much like, um, Mike's 
that. So I have this, the Fanatec one, and I got, I've been starting to drive the the SCCA Spec Racer Ford, and you know, use the sequential. So I use this thing, but it just doesn't feel right. I feel like I'm gonna, I don't know. I feel like something's gonna go wrong with it anytime. Um, so I'm always looking at a backup, and and I read the reviews, and people say that it's not a terrible, terrible shifter for what it is. Yeah, it's pretty plain looking, but um, H pattern in this case, uh, seven gears plus reverse. And uh, yeah, you're right. I, I seen this in a Facebook group and somebody posted and he said he loved it. So he was touting how good it worked. You can get it in black and white. And there also is a an 80-20 clip that's included in the picture. I don't know if that comes particularly in this case or if that's a separate order. Actually, no, that is a separate order. It's a thirty. It's forty bucks. A little eighty twenty additional piece of attachment. Okay, Mike. The um, we got a nice pun here on this next one, right? Chicane, the soul of racing, because because they do shoes, I guess. Pun intended. Uh, the soul of racing. Yeah, Chicane is a racing shoe and apparel company out of Hayward, California. According to Chicane, they work with tire manufacturer Michelin to develop their soles for grip, durability, and longevity. Yeah, you know what? I gave their site a uh, a peruse this week, and they sell apparel, they sell hats and t-shirts, and and uh, their their shoes are nice. I I wear slip-on uh, Chucks. Actually, no, they're I take it back. They're they're Vans. Sorry to those people who care. Um, I don't know if I want to fully lace up boots yet. Yeah, and I, they're not cheap. $160 for the basic shoe. They look I go, nice. I go with slip-ons in the shoes. That's just the, that's the way to go nowadays. Why not even having to having to constantly retie shoes or mess with the double knot? Just slip them on, slip them off. Yeah, I've got my inspiration through Barry uh, Roland from his channel. I don't have the flame ones he has, but it's just a uh, this pedal is a beast. So barefoot was kind of hard for me, and I slip around on it too much. Uh, so with the, the nice tackiness of the vans, I like. So I'm sure these shoes would be great working with Michelin and whatnot. But apparently they've been around a while, and they're they're a real-world uh, racing shoe manufacturer, which I've never heard of, by the way. Um, but their website's really cool. Yeah, it's, it, it actually would almost uh, wear your foot out if you tried to run those those pedals with without the shoes. Obviously, the shoes say chicane. And they also have a hat and T-shirt that say the same thing. Well, I'm, I, I feel really lucky, Mike, that we were able to come up with a formula rim to cover this week. Every week. Every single week. Not just every week, Paper but they're the same wheel, but just different colors. Yeah, this is the Gomez Sim Industry announcing via Twitter the Hyper P1 with Lux trim option. You know, they released this wheel in all black and i when that when i saw that wheel this exact design i'm not a huge fan of gomez's normal design but once they came out with this one to me i think it's the best looking wheel on the market for the sim market um but the all black version is nice this one's nice too i think it hits the 15 1600 range it's kind of the black and yellow black and gold are you, are you what do you like the open grip at the bottom yeah i did i don't like how they're just holding it a few times. I don't like how it comes around the bottom. It's just a little, I don't know. I, I just like the way this one looks aesthetically. It is a beauty. But I keep mentioning before, but they do sell ones without screens that are half the price and just as good a quality because with all the buttons and whatnot. But this thing looks like 
It has all the buttons and more. Yeah. Later in the show, we're, we're going to talk about Boosted Media's uh, review of a different wheel, the uh, the Grid by SimLab uh, wheel, the real expensive $2,200 one. And and Will was talking, was comparing it to Gomez's wheels. And one thing he, he noted about Gomez's wheels is the knobs in the middle are cheap feeling compared to the other wheel that he was talking about. So that's the only negative thing I've ever, ever heard about the Gomez wheel. That's good to know. And if they're aluminum, I'd have to look into that. All right, Donnie, you hinted at it earlier. We have Max Verstappen's uh, rig, right? Uh, we do. We have a picture of it. It's a tweet by Overtake GG. And a photo of F1 world champion Max Verstappen's sim rig was posted to Overtake GG. The rig sits in the corner of what looks like to be a large empty room along with the rig. To the right is a red, oh, sorry, it's to the left is a Red Bull Brandon mini fridge stocked with beverages. I'm assuming Red Bull, maybe some protein drink, uh, drinks, who knows. And to the right is a neon sign that reads F off. Uh, throughout the week, I was, watched, I was following this, um, this, uh, this tweet. And yeah, and there's an article with him I found saying about when I mentioned earlier that he allows nobody within 10 feet of this thing. I think he uses meters, 10 meters. Uh, when he's in the rig racing, he wants nobody approaching him, nobody coming up, including his animals. Tells him to get out. Looks like it's the only thing in the room. He kind of put it in the corner. And uh, yeah, it looks triple, uh, you know, quadruple, well, quad, I guess, however you want to say it, uh, 27s, curve 27s. So he's certain he's not going to have a Den Denny Hamlin daughter incident, right? I, I don't see a mirror protecting him. Uh, maybe he's got that glass window to his left. He can see a quick reflection. Uh, another article put this rig at 20 grand. Um, and I don't know the, the monitors, what kind of monitors he has, but they say that seat he's sitting in, the chassis, was like 2500 bucks. It's some kind of F1 play seat. Um, I couldn't find it. Not so special, huh? Yeah, he's got the Leo, never can pronounce it, Bodnar uh, wheelbase. Uh, that's expensive. Yeah, that's, that's, that's like 35 I think. And he's got the Heiskenveld uh, sprint pedals. And yeah. It looks like a laptop on the floor off to the right, too. You know, it's funny. I think about the mini fridge a lot uh, sometimes because my son wants one in his room. And the wife doesn't seem to, like, ever complain about what I got in here. But as soon as I bring a fridge in, that's that would be it. That She'd be like, uh-uh. So, I don't know. You'll think, never leave, right? <laughs> well, it's just like the majors this week. This will be off topic. But, like I said, she hasn't balked at anything I did. But I had to use her PayPal account to... To register for the majors event and she's like what's this for and i'm like i gotta sign up for a race and she kind of gave me grief over that and i'm like you let me do this but you know kind of goes back to david's eight dollar just by the track that's i racing though right that uh, he's running uh looks like it with the f3 box yeah yeah and he said he uninstalled uh r factor so what else is he gonna run i hope we get to see him this weekend at least on Maybe that's a title idea Uninstall R Factor. Ooh. How about a listener challenge, David? Yeah, we got tagged a few times in the forums. John DePue is challenging us to get our hands on an Aero VR and kind of try to do a review. I said, yeah, if you can arrange it, I'll try it out. Um, he, he's really in love with it and says that, that it's doing the job and gives him the best chance to look down the apex. Uh, 
it's a lot it's a lot more expensive than the HP a lot more expensive and at this moment like I said if if Arrow wants to send me one to get a review I'll try it out and if if it's that much over the over the top I'll buy it but right now I'm pretty happy with how the reverb is doing it's getting the job done because in real life you don't turn your head that much anyway and I'm able to use JRT spotter to get more information where I don't have to turn my head especially in stock car racing Donnie weren't they trying to talk you into VR yeah I can't I I I, I wish I envy it so much but um, I just can't do it are you the kind of guy who goes to Disneyland now and you get on one of the roller coasters and you're like, Ugh. uh, growing up star tours was, was awesome. And, uh, I can't do it. I couldn't even do the Falcon ride. Um, I could barely do the Falcon ride, but I don't do the roller coasters. I'm the old 40 year old man, not that old that it hangs out at the exit waiting for the family to get off the rides. But like I mentioned before, I've, I've been on VR. I went on VR maybe for five laps around USA at my buddy's race shop, and I, I got out a soaking hot mess, and I wanted to puke. Ruined, like, my entire day. Every time I bring somebody over to try it out for the first time, it really messes with their heads. But being able to look down and see your feet and all that fun stuff, it just sounds incredible. Well, it, I mean, if you're used to it, it's great. And with with the, the fixed foveated rendering really helping out the frame rate, uh, you're really only looking straight ahead. And when I'm in a corner, I do turn my head enough to see the apex as well, especially at places like Coda that have those really sharp, like 100, uh, almost 210-degree corners, right? They're even steeper than a 180. Well, you got to hand it to John Dubuque, Dubuque for uh, he was entertaining. He was certainly trying uh, to get people's attention about the Aero VR headset uh, Bino uh, uh, and some others were in there uh, jostling with him as well. So that was fun. And I, you know, you got to have a strong PC. I think the PC would handle it, but right. It's, it's one of those things I generally won't upgrade until I need to. And right now I still don't need to. All right, Mike, if you'll pick up the next one, something went wrong with my script. I can't see anything right now. Yeah, this is a company review. Basically um, they have a website referrox.com r-e-f-e-r-o-x and they have a video at the top at the middle of their uh, page where they kind of show their product in the video and it's like a a formula one cockpit um you know full surround uh, you know no no wheels or anything but the body work is all there and it's motion as well um you know, curves, uh, screen in front of it. Uh, you know, the screens are stationary. The formula car moving about on a, a motion platform. Wow. Starting at 25,000 euros, where you can lease it at 591 euros per month. And if you scroll down a little bit below the video, you'll see a picture of the products. There's two different ones. There's one at 16,000 pounds, which isn't, um, got all the like it doesn't have like the side pods uh where the more expensive one does and it's a single monitor while the other one is a triple monitor now and i also looks like it has motion versus non-motion looking at it for the 25 grand are you getting hardware too because i didn't so i was surprised to see the monitors with it it doesn't say it has a crazy amount of money just for you know a box to sit in now, this yeah. is from the Netherlands. 
I might, this might be one of the better ones I've seen though, price aside. Um, the one with the triple screen and the, that's a decent looking, we'll call it a monocoque. Give, um, it looks, I don't know. I don't, I don't hate the way this setup is. Um, obviously you're probably only formula racing in this. You're not going to want to run GT cars laying down or any kind of stock cars, but um, no, I appreciate the effort. Price tag is a little crazy, but you know, maybe this is for somebody's showroom at a dealership or, or something or just rich people. Yeah. And they, there is a picture of a formula wheel that has their name on it. Like they, they have a custom wheel, but there's no details besides what we've, we've said. So there's just reserve your seat. You have to contact them for more info. All right. We got another Dave cam video coming up next. He's introducing what he calls the perfect dashboard. It's uh, something that comes from Sim lab. It's a DDU five display. Yeah, he mentioned he'll be running this every day from here on out now that he's got it and used it and likes it. So I'm um, still mulling the the dashboard um, back and forth if I want one or not, but definitely put this one on the radar. I like I do like the way it looks and the ease, the mounting, all the good stuff. Absolutely. Um, if I was to upgrade what I wanted uh, or what I have now, I mean, this would be the kind of product I would look for. Um, it, it's got a mount where you can mount it right to the, the top two screw holes of your uh, wheelbase. Um, so it, it goes right above it. And uh, yeah, I mean, he liked it. He said he's going to keep it on his second rig. Um, he compared it to the uh, big, big Porsche one that we talked about before by Grid Lab, which was like 11 inches long or something. Um, that one was just too big for Dave with his 27 inch triples he he it literally blocked his view of navigating windows uh when he wasn't in the sim like you oh you need to click the task bar you can't even see it because you got this big thing in front of it so he said that this particular uh dash by uh grid by sim lab the smaller one um which is more of the size of like a cell phone much more doable no it doesn't block windows uh, and 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 it you know has a good look to it too it was nice and thin as well and and i uh, couldn't really find anything wrong with it. it's definitely handy if you're running a monitor setup to have something like this if you have triples you cannot see the dash and if you have it set up right so if you want to see stuff like that you know your rpms or your temperatures or whatever you, you almost need something like this now am i happy with uh my you know, Samsung Galaxy phone uh, sitting in a 3D printed holder. Absolutely. Because when I'm in the car, you know, I, you know, I'm not looking at how it looks. I mean, is it functional? Yeah, it's very functional. And, and, and when I'm not in the, the rig and I look over at it, it doesn't look bad to me at all. So I have no, I have no intention to upgrade from what I got. Do you, do you connect that phone? I should already know this by now, but I've never looked into it. Do you connect it with the USB or is it uh, Bluetooth to your computer? It's hooked via Wi-Fi to the regular Wi-Fi in the house. That's how it's picking up uh, from JRT. Uh, okay. I just run a browser on the phone. I run Google Chrome and uh, you go to a website and it brings up the dash. Yeah. yeah when you run, um, when you run the JRT server, it throws up an IP address, a local IP address, which is one of those one nine two ones that's reserved for inside the home network or school network uh, or, or business. Usually they can, they can use these 
they're just it's just for local only and uh you just point it to that and boom there's it'll read it like a website yeah and you take the google chrome full screen and i plug it into power and that keeps the screen on so it doesn't like just turn off from non-use all right this next one is actually a unique design it's called the drive pod and it's trying to go for the quote modern furniture design look um so it looks neat i love the seat i gotta tell you the seat looks cool that's the one thing i'll say about that it looks like something from the jetsons but what's supporting the blue base unless there's something in the middle some kind of railing contacting the ground because that's a lot of cantilever from we'll call that the monitor mount area where the blue base jets out from so i'm hoping there's some kind of support under there i get it, it's a render we're looking at but but um yeah, you don't see any legs yeah it's a little concerning that it's a render and it's not an actual product for for that's my first red flag yeah i couldn't find a the second either. red flag yeah the second red flag is the way this thing looks is it's got like a monitor and coming out of the base of the monitor, like below the monitor, is this long, st uh, you know, steering shaft, like a thick steering shaft. And apparently, the direct drive base is buried inside the shaft, and then the wheel juts out of it. But what's odd about it is how long this shaft is, and how far it sticks out from the monitor without support. And and the first thing I'm thinking is. We try so hard in SIM hardware to get the base steady where it doesn't move. It's so important. There's no way that this thing is steady. No way. Could be a rigid shaft. I don't know. But the pedals look, and they're just mounted to the, the bottom platform as well. Um, it's interesting. I, I don't know who this is appealing to. Again, maybe it's just that uh, person who wants something cool or nice to look in his house. But, I mean, if you look at the back of it, it's completely closed off. So I'm assuming your computer is inside a box. So I don't know where your airflow is coming from. Um, you got great cable management, I guess. Makes you it can really mess with the aspect ratio, can it? As well, being that far or not? The, well, the field of view. I mean, with you having to have that monitor so far away. Yeah, I wonder. If, point. Wonder if you get options for shaft length. If you can shorten that bu puppy up a little bit. This doesn't seem like it's. Uh... You'd have to have weight on the back of it to off balance it. You know what I mean? Because it's sticking out so far without any kind of anything underneath it. Maybe know, supporting it. the computer sits on top of it in the back as a counterweight. There you go. <laughs> well, I think it's a concept. Uh, we'll have to see if we ever see a real one. All right. What do we know about Project Yellow Rider? Holy cow. This one took my breath away, to be honest, guys. Holy cow. I, I don't even know where to start. But this guy in the forums has put up a, you know, a thread of his rig. And he, that's what he calls it, Project Yellow Rider. I, I don't hate it. This thing actually looks pretty spectacular. I'm curious what, it, what it's all about, what it does. What is that box that sits above his pedal box? Is that for the, the, the motion? Probably for the motion, yeah. Yeah, he says it's a 5DOF motion rig with G-seat and belt tensioner, and he's got everything bright yellow. So what's the deal yeah, with the pictures below it? Are those like old pictures and the yellow's the new? Yeah, so he shows his old rig and, and now his new rig. 
And the old rig is kind of neat too. Yeah, I like I the, the idea rig. of having this huge rack of 80-20 to put stuff on, you know, and and he's got that kind of sitting above the pedals. Yeah, it's kind of, you kind of have the same thing a little bit with how yours is mounted back there. And I built something very similar to this, but not now this gives me inspiration just to go ahead and build a full-on rack. Everything could be put on it now. Yeah, he basically has a picture of pretty much a a rack mount case for all of the amplifiers. That's yeah, as you go down and you look at the, the yellow build, you're right. There's a huge rack for just for the amps. And that, that bottom plate's perforated for airflow, it looks like, too. So he's put a lot of thought into it. And then uh, there's a motion platform. And then he's got the four-corner, uh, you know, on the 80-20. That's a GC, isn't it? Yeah, he's got the GC. He's got the belt tensioner. He's got the wind sim. Uh, he's got the fans and all that built in. Looks like he's got the Aero VR. He's got that BD... H shifter that Brian's about to buy. You see that on the left of the seat. Uh, it looks like Heiskenveld pedals, I think. He's got the SimiCube Pro wheel, or maybe that's the ultimate. Yeah, I dig this. I don't think we've said his name, but it's Gary Tall. Uh, he's got a Formula wheel uh, with a display. I can't tell which one it is, though. But bo Button boxes on either side. Uh, no monitors running VR only. You think he painted? Oh, there this? are a couple monitors. Yeah. Do you think he painted his aluminum for this, or maybe powder coated it, or bought it that way? Now, Advanced Sim Racing, I think, sells powder coated uh, rigs. Yeah, just black. Uh, I think you can do powder coated white, maybe um, or gray. They used to do colors, like uh, colors I well, guess have, I should say that. Yeah, they'll have the green with their their pro model coming out. They'll have that one in green. When they first uh, came on the scene, they had a really bright orange rig that really caught my eye. And then they had a real a royal blue that was really nice. But I don't think they offer those anymore. Yeah, I like this for being, it looks obviously very custom and DIY. And man, I'm very rarely jealous of people, but I'm digging this rig. Well, if you're looking for inspiration on a, on a, a huge build. I mean, this is a great one to take inspiration from. I mean, it's got like the best of the best of what you can put together. I didn't see any uh, butt kicker stuff or transducers or anything. And for people listening who want to check it out, it's in the hardware section of the forums. Um, Project Yellow Writer. You can also get to it by checking out our show notes on the uh, website. Absolutely. All right. We got next up an Instagram post saying huge screen with a halo. No, so, you missed. Did I? I did. Yeah, I did. Um, Porsche wheel. Is it worth and it? Is it worth it? This is a question. Is the Porsche wheel worth it? What do you think, Mike? According to Will Ford from boosted media, the answer is yes. Um, I think uh, all of us were probably quick to dismiss this wheel because when it initially uh, came out because of the $2,200 price tag, but after seeing a proper review of it and and hearing what you know he thinks of it compared to some of the other big wheels out there like Gomez and some of the other and the uh, Cube Control uh, CSX3 and so forth, um, the quality is there, dude. I mean, it, it sounds like this thing is just the bomb. 
Yeah, I'm sure they'll produce some some wheels as well without the Porsche branding. But I mean, we've been saying it for a while. This is probably the better wheel in the the hobbyist reachable level. You know, the the normal. Well, I don't say normal sim racer, but the you know the average, ah, even average, but the sim racer could buy. Oh, I mean, you can get a decent wheel for over a thousand dollars, and this is double that. So, I mean. Is it worth double? I mean, it's a subjective thing. And when you're when you're trying to buy the best equipment, I mean, it's very subjective. I, I, I'm still the one rim I'm the most happy with is my just for, Fanatec Formula wheel with with the three hundred fifty dollar one. Yeah, well, it's got the advanced pedal module, which which really makes it stand apart. But every, other than that, it it does everything I need, and I don't need the I don't I'm in VR. I don't need the display. Yeah, and I agree with Mike. It's obviously completely subjective and what you can what can you do at the time. But I look at it and my, I'm trying to think how is it seven hundred dollars better than Gomez? And I don't know. I would never know. Watch the video. Um, now I'm going to jump ahead to one uh, uh, story ahead because it's on topic. The Cosworth wheel that we mentioned last week. Uh, one of our listeners, Abe, has reached out to. SimTag, the company that's involved with Cosworth to produce this wheel, and asked them straight up, what's the price for the Cosworth wheel? And uh, sure enough, uh, we have the email from Abe. He put it up in the Discord, and uh, here's what it says. Dear Abe, thank you for your inquiry. The price of the steering wheel is 7,900 euros plus shipping. It is available for pre-order, currently only through email. Let me know if you'd like to place an order. Best regards. Denise Forensics. I would like to know what his original email stated, um, just so we can 1,000% say this was the sim wheel. But I'm pretty confident that he indicated the sim wheel. And like I think I mentioned to you, Mike, in the thread, the group chat earlier, this is only going to be for specific people. Um, nobody's going to be running out to their micro centers and buying this wheel. It's probably going to be built for teams, um, real-world teams, uh, for their big simulators and even at their at-home simulators and anybody who can afford eight grand on a wheel. Yeah. It's probably going to so, be a real wheel that you can use for sim racing for that price. Yeah, basically. But man, you want to go to town, there you go, 7900 That's Now, that is the highest price wheel we've seen, right? I don't think there's one been one more than that. Yeah, and I'm not sure we're going to see review videos on it either. <laughs> All right, well, we can wrap up the hardware with this this one that I tried to skip to. It's basically a projector setup rig with an actual physical halo sitting on the rig. And um, that's awesome if you only run F1. And not just that, and this gets uh, debated being able to turn off the halo, like especially with the, the IndyCar, that in real life, yeah, the halo's fine. Your eyes don't see it because you're so focused down the road that your eyes kind of just get rid of it. Um, but if it's a fixed object in front of you, in front of a screen, uh, it's going to be an issue. Well, no. If you're running F1 and sitting in this car, you won't see it because your eyes are focused down. It will be grayed out. Um, you're, in fact, um, the center post of the halo will not even be lined up on your eyes because there would be so much parallax. Now, so I wonder if that's different for you in VR because when I had the Indy car and the halo turned on, I couldn't see around it. You can't, and my screens are like 28 inches away from, I don't know what that is. I don't even see it. 
Yeah, so we it's, see it. With the it's, screens, it's, it's in a different position in each eye. When If you're looking ahead in the distance, it's in a different position in each eye. You know, you know how if you hold your finger up really close to your eye and you blink one eye or the other, you, your finger is moving. So that halo in the VR is in a different position in each eye. So when they're both open and focused down the road, it's it's just not in focus. It's you literally seeing through it. That's actually it's, pretty cool. It's kind of VR. It's kind of sort of there, but it's great. It's you're seeing through it because the other eye is overriding it. And that's and what it, you would do in real life. But yeah. for our our screens here, it's just this thing in the way, and it, you can't see past it. Just take your take your finger when both eyes are open. If you're looking and you're looking far away. It, you, you're, you're aware it's there, but it's not solid. It's kind of translucent, and you see two of them. Right. No, I get that, but on the screen itself, like when we're running triples, like you can't see past it. Like no. it's a your eyes won't blur it out. Well, that's right. you're right, it's, and uh, it's a flat screen. That's the how way far that you're Rex is doing this, uh, where they actually have a real halo. I think it does work, Donnie, the way that uh, David is saying because. It's not embedded into the screen. I mean, right, your eyeball right. will see around it and see the screen without the thing on the screen. So, and that so, screen does look further back than what we run our screens at. Yeah, well, your your focal point's further down the road, so it's going to work just like VR, which is going to be great if you only run F one. But if you turn around and do stock cars, one. Let's talk uh, racing results. Uh, I'll start with the winter NASCAR iRacing Series, North Wilkesboro, Friday open. The green stayed out until lap uh, 50 or so and, the and uh, got the first caution. I got the lucky dog. I stayed out of trouble uh, pretty much around 13th to 15th most of the race. I pitted for the last time with 50 to go. I think that was key. To, you know, when do you take those last set of tires? And uh, yeah, they just keep wrecking in front of me and keep bringing out the caution and I keep moving up and up. By the first green white checker, I was P4. Um, uh, by the next one, I was the leader and by the second green white checker, uh, second place got next to me on the white, on the back, and I tried to do a crossover move where I'd get around behind him and go down underneath him. And when I did, I just barely touched his uh, bumper and he went around and I ended up winning the race. Uh, you know, I didn't want to win it that way. And I told him that, uh, you know, looking at the replay, it was actually net code, uh, I didn't touch him. Um, and so uh, he didn't complain and hell, hell yeah, you know, I celebrate the win. Uh, my 91st career win. This was top split too. I mean, heavy hitters, big I rating. Um, I can't be more proud than to win a winter NIS race. Um, I never thought I would have the uh, ability to, um, especially when I'm running the fixed set in the open series. Um, uh, didn't try to go buy sets or beg borrow sets or anything i'm just going to run fixed and see where it lands and uh yeah the racing was kind of ugly only because if you touch it all you the car goes around and i think that just shows you how much 
on the limit these cars are with grip and down for and, and the lack of downforce and uh that's that's basically how i cycled to the to the front is people were uh racing side by side really hard they would touch and they would go around and then i, I would cycle forward so uh racecraft uh, you know I'll, I'll attribute it to racecraft and you know knowing when to pit for the last time and and keeping my nose clean man i'll take it good job sir how about your attempt you know i ran this sunday morning it was one split um i was running good i think i qualified 10th i'm trying to find the results right now but of course the ui sucks sorry and it only gives me like the last five and um but yeah, I qualified 10th and I was running pretty well. Um, at one point I was running P1 leading laps and I had a gaggle and I put this in the chat about the, the lapper starting in front of me and to the left of me. Uh, but there was a point where we had maybe three lappers in front of me to the right, four down below. So I was like seventh in line, just running, trying to pass them. And then eventually the we had this guy in our session that was, I won't call him the problem, but he was the guy wrecking. And he ended up wrecking the guy below me, sending him up to me. And then I touched the wall, which gave me like six minutes of damage, which I thought those were built for tough, damn it. And uh, so that kind of put me out of running. I think I finished midway through the field. Actually, there it is. I finished uh, 20th. Yeah, so I think we had 32 cars in that split. But it felt, felt good to lead laps. All right. Yeah, well done. Uh, I ran Sunday fixed. Uh Use the beta UI to launch, and it would not. I tried it a few times. I ended up rebooting the computer and getting in via the website right before grid. However, my speakers weren't working and there was no time to fix. So I basically could barely hear the engine sound out of the subwoofer, but it was okay. It was a little frustrating experience. It was top split. I rode around the back. Uh, I ended up bringing out the third caution on my own when I uh, spun off down on the inside with no damage. I uh, ran about 15th to 10th most of the race. Uh, with two to go, they had a big wreck and I couldn't miss it. I got beat, uh, ended up losing a lap uh, P19 uh, up front on the white flag, check this out. Third place pulled that Ross Chastain move that he did at Martinsville. And on the white, he rode the wall in three and four and passed second and first and won it at the line. Like side by side, just like Ross and Denny were side by side at the line, even, but it was for the win. And he went from the third to the first and won the race. And wow, the guy he beat was not happy. He's like, you're going to be protested, protested, protested. <laughs> Let's go back in time, but did they ever say anything? iRacing officially say anything about it? At the time it happened, when Ross did it, uh, I think, um, if we recall, Steve Myers posted right on Twitter that if anyone did this, it would be protested. No, you're right. Cool. You're right, because you do gain an advantage in the sim. That's why they delete your lap if you hit the wall. And the guy who did it, uh, he was like, I don't even care, man, if I get suspended. I won the freaking race, man. That's what it's all about. I won. I won. You know, and yeah. I, you got to give the guy props. He pulled it off. And I wouldn't give the trophy back either. I'm no Denny Hamlin. I'm not giving nobody my trophy. Anyway, it was just neat to witness that. And, uh, and I put the video up in the chat for the team and everything. And uh, yeah, it was 
it was interesting to be in a race where somebody did it. Now, I'm, I'm sure that he got protested by somebody in that race. Uh, so it'd be, I, I forget his name, or I'd probably look him up and see if he's uh, parked it. All right, moving on, the Wednesday Open at Dover, P15. I ran around 10th most of the race, uh, got involved in an incident with lap cars. Uh, didn't have any damage. I was sitting there parked sideways on the track for a few seconds, waiting for everyone to go by and holding my brake like I'm supposed to. But sure enough, somebody plows in several seconds later. Um, I ended up two laps down P15. Uh, today, I ran Thursday Open, Dover P4. Man, I was happy with that. Ran top 10 most of the race, uh, the back half of the top 10 or so. And we had a long green flag run at the end. Uh, we had to do a splash and go to make it. But I waited before pitting and sure enough, uh, somebody spun getting on pit road. So the caution came out, bunched us up for the green white checker and I finished P4. I was trying to back up my win at North Wilkesboro and I feel like a top five at Dover is backing it up. I, you know what, I'm in a fixed set. And these guys are outrunning me in their, their open sets. Um, and so I feel pretty good that I can bring it home P4 with that set. All right, let's talk uh, Daytona Roar, the Roar Before 24. Um, Tony Rochette ran with me, and Tony actually wrecked out early, um, and he rage quit at one point. Uh, my rage, I ran. I think he described it as he just kept self spinning a lot. Yeah, he wasn't ha a happy camper i mean he did and and i think why he was so mad is he didn't have any problems in practice but he, when he got in the race it was like he couldn't drive uh, my race i ran about six most of the race um and then i about lap 50 a faster car ran over me coming out of the bus stop and dumped me head on into the wall 44 minutes damage it's so frustrating to get run over from behind when you can't do anything to avoid it and I let the guy know over the radio how happy I was. I mean, it was just, I just feel it's so ridiculous. You're coming out of the bus stop, you're on the racing line, you're as low as you can get, and the guy just doesn't try to even go around you. He just runs straight into the back of me, just straight into the back of me, not even attempting to turn the wheel to go around me. I mean, it was just the silliest thing, and I think it was the closing rate. I don't know if these cars are a good match to be on the same track. I think the Mazas were slower last year, and it might have been worse. What about your race? Yeah, so I was fortunate to only run with GT4s, because that's how you wake up at 4 a.m. running a multi-class race, find yourself with GT4s. Um, but I ran P13 out of uh, 48 cars. I think I only had one incident where I got hit and spun around, but I'm looking at my incident count right now, and it showed 11. And I think my mirror's covering up where I go off track, and I think that's through the bus stop. I think I'm cutting the, the second portion of the bus stop and getting some incident points. So I gotta clean that up. I gotta check on practice later and see what I'm doing wrong. But yeah, I know it's fun. I mean, of course we have our, our super fast guys in the front that you're not gonna catch, but other than that, it was, uh, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I had fun until I got wrecked. I thought it was uh, entertaining. Yeah, even after getting spun, I think I finished where I should have. I think I caught back up to where I should have been, so I didn't really, you know, detract from my, my finishing spot. All right, other uh, official racing I ran, F2000 at Phoenix qualified eight out of 14 at one point. Fifth, sixth, and seventh collected each other on the backstretch, I got by. And then later, second and third collected each other and I got by. 
and brought it home P3. Wow, happy with that. Later, Indy Pro 2000 at Rudzkogen started fifth and finished P3. I had pressure at the end from fourth, but was able to keep my cool, and he eventually spun off. Uh, later, the F2000 at Rodzkagen uh, started P2, finished P2, got the lead on lap one, but foolishly spun on my own and fell back to fifth and drove my way back up to second, was catching the leader, but actually ran out of laps. So, some great runs there, P3, P2. How about IMSA? David, you've been running IMSA all week. Yeah, and I didn't. I'm not gonna write down every result. That just kind of gets old. Um, I went back and checked if I've got any podiums, and I haven't had any podiums since since the Glen. It's been a little bit tougher at Daytona just because the fields have been so much bigger. Uh, add to that, I've been sick, and I know that actually has been affecting my racing. Um, there are some races where there were a couple where I was just so drowsy from the cough syrup that I pulled over and went back to sleep. I ran a couple. One I got wrecked out early. Um, with a slower car spinning in front of me. The next one, I was a, I finished P10, got as high as P6. I did spin off on my own once, didn't hurt the car, and brought it home safely. Uh, Kyle uh, Pendigraf also ran with us. Uh, he finished um, as well. Um, and then uh, Greg also ran as well. I think he wrecked off, didn't he? I don't and, remember. And Tom. Yeah, Tom Dryling also uh, ran with us. Um, so Tom's been doing some IMSA races uh, as well. Yeah, so we've all already practiced under race conditions. So all I got to do this weekend is just keep the car clean and we'll get a good finish. All right, uh, Winter League, Monday night. I got wrecked out early when the guy in front of me spun out. He hit the wall and came clear across and he took me out with him. And uh I wasn't going to ride around damaged in a league race, so I was done. Yeah, I did have to miss this one. Uh, we've started a jazz band, and I'll get to run next week because the jazz band's only going to be rehearsing every other Monday. But that's going to take up a lot of my Mondays now. That's why it's just always so hard for me to compete in a league for points on weeknights because I do too many other things as well. All right, how about majors league? Yeah, we had the Predator race. Um... In mine, I made the top split, but I was running the car that had to start last. And I got, we had all the LMP1s got, or not LMP1s, the DTPs got released. And I, I come out and right there in the first turns, we come out right with the, the GTs. And a GT runs over me when I'm checking up for a wreck. I was not able to go back and never see who it was because when I went back and looked at the replay, not, none of the GCs were showing up, even though we were right there with them. So uh, I, I finished in the 30s, I think 37th or something like that. It was still a fun event. It was neat. Um, but uh, not the finish I wanted. I know Greg got, got hit early, too. Yeah, I, I was clear. I came out of the pits. So I think it was like in seventh spot. I got out real quick. And then um, by the time I... I got around to the back stretch just as I was making one of the right-hand turns there. Um, a car who was trying to be really aggressive early, he locked up and went through the grass and it sped him up. And I was, I was way, it was way behind me where it happened. And he just got in the grass and sped him up. And I was coming through the corner, and that's where his car ended up coming across. And 
I've never seen a car deform as much as it did. I wish I would have taken the picture of it, but I had nothing. I don't. I didn't have any parts left on the car. I had two broken wheels. The bumper was sitting in the grass. The wing was was off and everything. It was it was a nasty wreck. Um, I was able to. I didn't realize that we were able to get fixed. Um, so I came back a couple minutes later, not realizing that I was going. So I did a, a little bit of a lapse for a bit, but it kind of just was frustrating. But they did a really good job with calculating the time because if you watch the event live in the split that we were in, he made the pass on the GT, uh, GT3 car on the last corner of the last lap. Yeah, you can't, you can't guess it better than that. Especially when it was a 14 minute, yeah, they had a 14 minute and one second lead to start the race. Honey, how about your run? Yeah, I was just looking at that. Um, actually, for our split, uh, we ran one lap less than you guys. Uh, BMW, uh, Jake Fox won. He was super fast, but he won in the uh, GT3. And the highest finishing um, LMP car uh, was 11th. So... They got the time wrong. They got the time wrong on that one. Um, no, this is great for me. Um, this is the first time I've ever ran a multi-class race being the slower car. Um, I only think I got talked to once about getting out of line, so I kind of figured out what he was mentioning. But other than that, uh, I ran clean, stayed out of trouble. I finished 23rd, it looks like. We had 48 cars in there. Um, I, I just, man, I'm glad I did it. Um, always heard David talking about the majors. I'm glad they we put this in the show notes a few weeks back. Um, so super excited for Daytona coming up. So I can't wait for that one. I've already signed up for my, my I think I'm only doing four qual races. But um, man, it's awesome. All right, let's jump to final thoughts. David Hall. All right, I'm ready for the 24. Obviously, I've been under the weather a lot lately. Um, also, I'm now that I know the weather's going to be okay this weekend for us to do our, our real-life band event, it won't get snowed out. I know my next weekend is going to stay open. So either Wednesday or Thursday, I'm actually going to drive down to Daytona, stay with a teammate, and go watch the 24 Rolex. I'm going to get the chance to meet up with some of the end of the apex and Matt Sam racing guys as well. So if there's any listeners on there, ping me in discord and we'll, and we'll see if we can meet up. And that's a great opportunity to see a great race. So hope you have fun. I still think every one of these years, we should all meet at Daytona and spend the weekend there. I did. Maybe for the 500 though. Maybe. All right. Donnie Spiker, final thought. Uh, yeah. Um, ran the majors race as exciting, exciting. Uh, Daytona's up this weekend. So our team's doing really well. We're going to have a team team practice tomorrow night. And I think I'm going to run the, uh, the open, the IMSA race, uh, after that. Um, I bought a new CPU this week, a new motherboard to go with it. I think I'm setting myself up, uh, to not have to worry about anything for the next, uh, at least two years, which I'm happy about. Um, but yeah, other than that, looking forward to this weekend. Keep spending money. Greg Hector's final thought. Uh, I'm just looking forward to another 24 hours uh, Daytona. Um, we've always we've always been competitive. Uh, I just hope one of these years we can bring it home, uh, uh, like we did the one year. But uh, yeah, it. Uh, I, I can't wait to uh, race with Kyle, David, and uh, Tom, uh, and get this done. Uh, I think Tom's starting us off saturday morning so that'll be exciting and um we're gonna get through the day and see where we are 12 15 hours in that's when you really know what you got 
be the guy that wrecked the car. All right, uh, my final thoughts. Um, man, I can't tell you how proud I am of how I've run in the Winter NIS Series lately. With the big, rim, the big win Friday night, top split at Wilkesboro, and now P4 at Dover, all in a fixed setup. Man, I, I mean, I can't feel uh, better about that. Um, I'm not faster than these guys. Uh, the, the times prove it, but I'm still getting the results. And I'm kind of walking around with a swagger, and I'm really not thinking about the 24. I'm thinking about Daytona 500 already. And I told you guys today, uh, man, we I, I just feel like we can win it. I feel like I'm going to win it this year for sure. Um, so I'm I'm uh, just chomping at the bit. I'm hockey as hell. I'm drutting out my chest, and I'm ready for that 500. Let's get it. With that, hey, we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.